from the peace and calm of Loch Sunard in the northwest of Scotland and with the peninsula churches. We welcome you to our worship. Whoever you are and wherever you are and whatever time you're watching this, you're very welcome to join us in our service today. Let's worship our God.
As we are approaching the time of harvest and thanksgiving, I thought it appropriate to include a thanksgiving-themed prayer. This prayer is from Richard Sharples, a Methodist minister in Bristol and a member of the Iona community. The prayer is entitled, Thank You for Ordinary Wonderful Things. Thank you, God, for the colour of tomatoes and beetroot, for the different colours and shapes and fragrances of flowers, for grubby potatoes and funny-shaped carrots, for the goodness of the earth itself. Thank you, God, for the taste of apples from the tree, of blackberries picked straight from the hedgerow, for the glossiness of conkers and acorns. Thank you, God, for the smell of baking cakes and real coffee, for the smell of wood smoke and damp leaves, and for the lights of home on a dark evening. Thank you, God, for the kiss of a dog's wet nose and for the purring contentedness of a cat. For all of these ordinary, wonderful things, thank you, God. May we never forget to give you thanks, maker and giver of all. Amen. Today's reading is taken from Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Euodia and I urge Sintika to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the Book of Life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. When was the last time you wrote a letter? Not a business letter, but a personal letter. When was the last time you received one? I've been sorting through some old family photos, grandparents and great-grandparents and you know the sort all posed and in their Sunday best. Some are impromptu, but most are designed, as they used to be in those times, all set up and organised to be proper. And it's really interesting to see the fashions in clothes and hairstyles, all the ladies with hats on, most of them with serious faces. 
But in amongst the photos, there were some letters, well written, in a very neat hand, no biros, no typing. And what was written and the use of language is also interesting. Lots of adjectives, lots of description. Well, the letters I've been looking at were written in the days before everyone had a phone. And in the early days of the phone, do you remember, if you were lucky enough to have one, your message was always quick and to the point. The phone could only be used for speaking. No texts, no abbreviations, no messages to be left on an answer phone because there wasn't one. And then there were the party lines in which you could hear other people's conversations. Well, the letters I've been looking at are from the 1920s onwards and so encompass the war years. They were from relatives living abroad in Kenya, Canada, Denmark, Russia and New Zealand, keeping in touch with those they left behind. I have the letters received, but I don't have the letter which was sent in response or which prompted this letter. So I have to imagine what the whole picture is because I, I can only see half of it. But through the letters and photos, I can start and build up a picture of the person who is writing the letter and the person who's receiving it. And it's a relative I have never met. And Paul's letters are the same but with no photos, of course. One of the ancient Greek literary critics claimed that everyone revealed their own soul in their letters. Of all forms of literature, a letter is the most personal. And Paul left us many letters, doing exactly what my relatives were doing, keeping in touch with those he had met and left behind. And it's because he left us so many letters that we feel that we can get to know Paul really well. In his letters, he opened his heart and his mind to the people he loved so much. And in them, to this day, we can see him grappling with the problems of the early church. However, the big problem with a letter, as I alluded to before, is that we only have one side of the situation like listening to a telephone conversation and only hearing half of it. I would imagine that Paul never, ever thought that his letters would have been so widely read or classed as Holy Scripture. And one of the reasons that we have these ancient letters is because that they, they were written on papyrus. The substance to make this was found in certain bulrushes which grew along the banks of the Nile, and so readily available. Strips of it were placed on top of each other to form something like brown paper. Unfortunately for us, the sands of the desert were ideal for preserving papyrus, and so preserving these writings for later generations to read and translate. These letters and other documents have been found in e Egyptian rubbish dumps during excavations. With very few exceptions, Paul's letters were written to meet an immediate situation. They were not arguments that he sat down to write in a peaceful and systematic way. No, they were there to meet or resolve a threat in the early church. And one thing we must note about his letters is that Paul wouldn't be writing them, he would be dictating them 
to a secretary or scribe. And sometimes the letters can be hard to understand because of the sentence construction. Some sentences don't seem to finish properly and so on. But we mustn't imagine Paul sitting at a desk, polishing his sentences until they would be perfect. No, he would be striding up and down, agitated about something or other, some situation, and dictating to a poor soul who was trying to get the drift of what Paul wanted to say and was trying to write it down. With this particular letter from Paul, he is in prison. And so perhaps dictating his letter with even more urgency to the people in Philippi. They had sent him a gift for which he is expressing gratitude later in the letter. But he's concerned about what he has been hearing about the church. And what was bothering Paul in Philippi? What has triggered the need for a letter from Paul? He is in prison and so he cannot go to see them. And so his letter has to be clear and to the point. He thinks this might be his last communication with them. And so again, it has to be clear and to the point. From the passage we heard today, there clearly has been a falling out, a disagreement between two women. Euodia and Syntyche. The unity of the church is paramount for its continued existence. And Paul is begging them, these two women, to keep focused on the teaching of Jesus. These two women would probably not have been in a relationship with each other if it hadn't been for their mutual affiliation with the church. Jesus is not physically there as head of the church, but Paul is saying, as he believed at that time, that he would be back. Paul is not there. The church is at risk of losing its way as they lose sight of their leader. Two women are looking at their relationship with each other instead of their relationship with Christ. And Paul is saying, look at Christ, look at the teaching of the church. Don't look at the issues which are dividing you, but keep moving forwards with your eyes set firmly on the teachings of Christ. Your differences will be less important then. They won't disappear, but they will not divide or slow the growth of the church. I said earlier that the lessons and messages in Paul's letters can be relevant to us because they are addressing issues within the church, issues which we can also experience. This letter, in my view, is very relevant in 2023. We are moving forward in our churches, in our different denominations, with a greater willingness from some to look ahead to the teachings of Christ as our focus and less at our differences. After all, what is or what should be the main focus of all our prayer and our praise and our mission and our ministry? It should be the furtherance of God's, God's truth, the gospel truths, and their revelation to all. Paul's final words from his prison cell in Rome should give us instruction as well as encouragement, just as they did for the church in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. He's saying, don't look sideways at each other, look forward to Christ and keep moving. This was Paul's plea to the church in Philippi, and if he were here, it would be his plea to the church in 2023. Amen. Mysterious God, you are everywhere all the time, and yet too often we seek you in things. We try to make you fit our idea of who and what a God should be. We place our faith in people and nations, money and power, instead of love and justice, hope and compassion. Help us to seek out where love is present and active and join in. Help us to nurture and grow loving relationships and spread that love to all people. Help us to stand up for justice to use our voices to speak for those whose voices others would silence. Help us to spread hope around us, feeding hope and starving out fear. Help us to be compassionate, to see the needs before us and to seek ways to be your hands and feet, your eyes and ears, your voice, that people might come to know you through our words and actions. Be with the faithful people all around the globe who are striving to keep the faith alive and well, those who are facing persecution and isolation from friends or family, for the faithful who put their lives at risk to share their faith with others. Give comfort and strength to all who seek to share the faith of the gospel wherever they are. Open the hearts and minds of people seeking to know you. May they find you in the faithful and become part of the wider body of Christ in our world. Amen. Let us dedicate our offering. Let us pray. Father God, we bring you the gifts that seem to be the ones you value most, the ones you can take and use, not our strength, but our weakness. Not all that we know, but all we know we still have to learn. Not our goodness, but our willingness to change and grow. Not our full wallets, but our empty hands and hearts, ready to receive the treasures that you know we need and that you alone can give. Amen. And let's continue with the Lord's Prayer, the family prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for ever. Amen. Thank you for joining us in our worship today. Great are you, Lord, and mighty in power. You free us, you strengthen us, you are the source of all joy. Great are you, Lord, and wondrous are your deeds. 
You guard us, you guide us, you are the source of all life. Great are you, Lord, and worthy of praise. You call us, you love us, you are the source of all blessing. So bless us as we go, that we in turn may be a blessing this day and always. Amen. Shine upon